0: All right, Uh, you know, first of all, mark this down. I guarantee you've never been to church service in which they play Pictionary. (laughs) No other church in Frederick is doing it, probably in the United States. So there, there's that. Uh, Now, what you're no doubt wondering is, what in the world does Pictionary have to do with uh, any sort of game that we might be playing as a lifestyle, as a lifestyle habit? And so, uh, more importantly, you might be wondering, well, how can this be of any value, any interest to me? So, to get your mind going in that direction, let me ask you a couple of thoughts. How many of you have ever wished that you could understand people better? Just curious. See your hands? Okay. Let's reverse it. How many of you have ever wished that people could understand you better? Know your heart. Know your motives. Let's see that one. Okay. Okay. And the third one, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I'm going to assume it. I'm going to assume that we all wish that we would be able to connect better with people uh, on a deeper level. So the answer is Pictionary. (laughs) You're still sitting there. I don't get it, Randy. I don't get it. All right. Think about what Pictionary is. It is drawing out the thoughts of others... Uh, getting people feeling safe and comfortable so that you just you spewed out various thoughts that were on your mind. I'm drawing out your thoughts. You feel safe. You're engaged. You're having fun. But I'm trying to draw you to connect with a topic, an issue, a concern, a thought that I already have. And, and I'm bringing you together until there's this, this convergence, drawing out the thoughts, the feelings of others, so that there can be a convergence of something that we already have maybe on our mind that we want to have them connect to in a safe way. Now, I'm going to assume that some of you are sitting here and you're probably feeling like, well, when it comes to understanding people or making myself understood in general, that's been a problem maybe some of you feel all your life. Uh, Maybe you pretty much have given up and you feel like it's just something you can't do. Uh, I am curious how many of you feel like when it comes to understanding other people, making yourself understood, this is an area you just have always felt a little challenged in? Um, can, I, can I see your hands? I'm curious about this, just, just to see. Okay, some of you are afraid to admit it. Uh, that's okay, but there were a good number of hands. Well, let me give you something to think about that I hope will be encouraging to each and every one of us in this room. I'm going to assume that everyone in here, you have uh, a relationship with someone, or maybe a few people, and your relationship is such that as soon as you receive a text from them or an email or maybe hear their voice on the phone, or if you meet them in person, as soon as there's some kind of a communication, you instantly have this feeling, "Uh uh-oh, something's not right, something's wrong. Uh, and, and usually what we'll do in those cases is we will ask that person. We'll say, hey, come on, what's up? What's going on? What's wrong? How, how, many, how many of you have people like that in your life that, that you can just tell right away? Okay, nearly all of us. Well, how did you do that? Are, are you telepathic? Um, do you have some kind of a mystical power from God? And usually what ensues is then there's this little dance. You say to them, that, uh, come on, you seem like something's bothering you and they say no 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 everything's okay and you say yeah I don't know I'm just I'm feeling something I mean come on what's right no I'm telling you everything is fine how many you know the dance and it goes on and on and finally they say well okay this is probably so silly but and then they tell you how many have gone through that dance with somebody well where did you get this mystical power (laughs) to know you just knew that there was something, and you drew it out of them. You drew it out of them. And you drew it out of them because you cared about them, and you wanted to help. Well, you've never probably thought about how you do this, but here's the truth. What it is is that you've been around this person for a sufficient amount of time that you, you have been taking in information and storing it away about their voice tone, the rhythm of their speech, the looks and movement of their eyes, their body language, and and a host of other things. You weren't aware that you were taking all this in, but you were. You even know things about the language they use at times and situations. You can kind of read their mood. You have come to know this person so well because of your your ability, this God-given capacity. Your dog can't do this, man. You might have the best dog in the world, but your dog can't do this. No other creature on the planet can do this except human beings because we are made in the image of God. This capacity to draw each other out and connect with each other, uh, hopefully in a positive healing way. Because when we sometimes draw people out to speak the truth, acknowledge the truth about certain issues that they're uncomfortable about, that's one of the ways that God starts to bring healing Into the lives of other people. Listen, most of the healing that God does today is in the realm of our spirit and our soul, and He does it usually through His body, the body of Christ. That's those that have trusted Christ and gathered together devoted to Him. That means that God wants to help you and I develop this tremendous capacity we have been given by God to draw people out, to help them feel free and safe, to come to terms with topics and issues that you may be recognizing and seeing. But you want to bring them to see it, too, feeling safe in a grace environment where, you know, they know that you're for them, that you're looking at them through the eyes of a doctor, not through the eyes of a judge. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that when a doctor looks at you, you, know, when you and I go to the office, you know, doctor's office, and we have some kind of a malady, some kind of a problem, the doctor never goes, you, ew, good grief. You've got to be kidding me. You're disgusting. <laughs> right? You're going to another doctor. <laughs> now, the doctor looks at us. With non-judgmental eyes, eyes of grace, he just or she just wants to help. Judge, on the other hand, looks at us with critical eyes and and wants to condemn us and wants to make us feel worse than we may already feel. So, So this capacity to draw others out and to connect with them with some thought, some topic, some issue that we may already have on our mind that we think is critical for them at this point, this is a God-given capacity, and it's one that has tremendous developmental potential, no matter who we are. You just prove to yourself you actually can do this because you do it already with certain people. All right, so let's, let's look at this a little more closely. We want to look at it objectively and kind of notice a little more uh, specifically how, how does this thing function? Uh, how can it be developed and so forth. And, and folks, listen, listen to what I'm telling you today. You're never going to hear a more practical message than this. We, we all need to learn to be better Pictionary players because, listen, God calls us to not only love Him, but to love one another. And the way you love people, the way I love people, is, is we've got to learn to connect on this deeper level. We have to We have to lovingly, graciously draw each other out so we can be a Uh, an agent, a channel of healing to one another. That's how love grows. You think about the people that you feel the safest with, that you love the most, the closest to. I guarantee you they are people that you have this kind of a connection with. And, And so building this capacity enables us to what God wants us to do, to love one another. The universe is going to someday be filled with people that have nothing but love for God, love for righteousness, and love for one another And God wants us developing this wonderful, beautiful capacity right now. Just think of how, if you develop this capacity further, think how it can help you to connect with those that are still apart from Christ, needing to be reconciled to God. And you have those eyes and you have those ears that are so sensitized to the soul of another human being that you can can engage them and draw them, draw them into uh, the right sort of awareness about things that they may not want to think about at all. So this is a powerful thing all all the way across the board. Here's a verse I want you to focus on, Proverbs 20. It just kind of summarizes this idea. It says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man or a woman of understanding does what? Draws them out. That's Pictionary. You're drawing out the thoughts of another person. You've got a target, and the target is meant to be a good one. Now, is a doctor named Katrina Furlick. She's a neurosurgeon in Pittsburgh, and she was the first female to gain residency into the neurosurgeon or neurosurgical department in Pittsburgh. But uh, she tells a story about, in a book she wrote called uh, A Day in the Frontal Lobe. Ha <laughs> that's neurosurgeon talk. And it um, <laughs> sounds like a real exciting book, huh? Uh, <laughs> anyway, she says in the latter part of her residency, she had become so jaded We're seeing the devastation of neurological injury, you know, day after day, just people's lives that were just destroyed because of neurological injury. And so she talks about this one day. She goes in as usual, and there's this uh, 18-year-old young man. He's in a wheelchair. He's kind of spastic. He's got the head brace. His mouth is just kind of hanging open. Uh, Cerebral palsy and spasticity are, are obvious. And so she initially looks at him and then determines, okay, the information that I'm going to need, uh, it's obvious he's not going to be able to give it. So she then turns away from him, turns her back on him, turns to his parents, and starts asking them the set of questions that you know any doctor asks to assess the case accurately. Well, she's going on doing this, and then all of a sudden her mentor walks into the room. The mentor immediately goes right up to the young man, uh, sits on, on the, the edge of the bed that was there, that was the only place for him to sit, it was kind of a crowded room, and stares the young man right in the eye, and just pauses for an awkward moment, and then he asks the young man, he says, when did you graduate from high school? And the young man, who Dr. Curlin, Curlin thought was completely unable to communicate, he starts talking, and he starts beaming and smiling, and he explains to him when he graduated from high school and so forth and the doctor in residence she said she felt so bad that she and I'm getting a weird echo thing up here Dave if you can please do something to help me man it's it's pounding in my head back and forth I I can hardly hear myself Um, it looks like Dave is gone (laughs) that's not a good thing (laughs) It's never dull never dull up here Uh, she writes in her book how she felt so terrible about misjudging somebody, selling somebody short. Um, one of the things I've learned in my life, one of the privileges you have doing what I've done for so many years, is you get, to, you get to hear the hearts and life and soul and stories of people from all different walks of life. And I'm going to tell you the thing that I've learned. There is no such thing, ever is there such a thing, as a boring person or someone that's dull or doesn't have an a very, very fascinating soul and life and story, if we just have the time and the heart uh, to hear them out. So she was inwardly reprimanded about the need to stay sensitized to the body language. What he picked up on, what that mentor picked up on, was a great big old high school graduation ring that stood out because this kid was so emaciated and bony. And from that high school, the observation of the high school ring, He knew that he could communicate with this kid, and he did so. So this shows us that this is a a skill, a capacity we have first, God-given capacity, and a skill that we can greatly develop or we can let it sort of diminish, as in the case of this particular doctor. Now, I wish I could tell you that uh, this is a skill, this is a capacity that human beings always use for good. But it's not. I mean, the truth of the matter is, there are some people that have this skill highly developed, I might add, highly, highly developed, but they use it for selfish ends. They use it to manipulate people. They use it to control people. They use it to take from people. They use it to use people. I mean, you know, we've all met these kind of people. That they, they could sell ice water to an Eskimo. You know what I mean? They're those silver-tongued devils that, that they're always hiding themselves, but they're always moving other people around. And they know just how to get to the heart and soul of other people while never exposing their own, I might add. And they use this skill not to connect and bless, but they use it to, like I say, to take and use and manipulate. And sometimes, listen to me carefully, sometimes we've become so good at this and we've done it for so long because it makes us feel safe It makes us feel empowered and significant. We become so good at it. We have so many excuses, and we have excuses for our excuses. You ever meet people like that? No matter what you say to them, and no matter how clearly wrong they are on something, they have an excuse, then they have an excuse for their excuse. It never ends. You can never pin them down. They'll never own up to anything. They'll never show you their, their true selves. You always just get a new projection because they've learned to draw others toward their way of thinking and doing. And it's not for good reasons. Listen to what the book of Proverbs says about this very thing. It says in Proverbs 26, 24, A malicious man, this is a person who does not have good motives. They have ill will. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but his heart harbors deceit. Looking to use, you can, using to take, using to manipulate, uh, you know, trying to connect for the wrong reasons. Though his speech is charming, do not what? Do not believe him. For seven abominations fill his heart. He wants to take, he wants to use, he wants to manipulate, he wants to control. Some of you have been controlled by people in your life, all your life, and you don't even know it. They are masters at it. They always get their way because they know how to draw you out and bring you over to their desires and what they want and their way of thinking. If I could go back to that passage. Contrast that, it says in Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Wounds from a, a what? Will a friend ever wound you? What does it say? Right? Right? Wounds from a friend. If we're a friend, we're going to have to be willing at times to get right into the face of someone that we care about and say, what you're doing is just crazy. It's just wrong. It's not according to God's design. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt those around you. That's going to wound people. Wounds. Wounds from a friend can be what? trusted because we would never hurt them just to hurt them. We hurt them to help them and to heal them. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy, an enemy multiplies what? Kisses, flattery, trickery, false affection, There are people that have this skill, this Pictionary skill. We all have the Pictionary skill. We all play Pictionary to some degree, but there are some people that they use it for the worst motives. And let me tell you something about the people that do this. They feel safe and superior, but they are losing their own soul and they don't even know it. Their, Their core identity is diminishing because all they ever are is a projection of what they think is safe and useful to others. They're always trying to position and control and get things and take things from others. They don't know. They're losing their authentic self. They're completely unaware of it, though it's happening day by day. So this is the dark side of this, and I want to pause here for a moment because I think we all need to ask ourselves this question because the likelihood is we've never thought of it before ever in our lives. Could it be that this beautiful, beautiful capacity that God has given to us to draw people out, to connect them with our way of thinking, could it be that we actually have all of our lives been using this, not even aware maybe that we're using it, but we've been, we've been controlling everybody around us. We've been controlling everything. We've been manipulating everybody. We've been trying to get what we want from everybody. We're, we're takers. We're users. And maybe for the first time in our entire life, maybe we, we have this sense that, you know what? I think think that could be me. I never would have dreamt it. Then there's others of us, oh, we dreamt it and we know it. And you're sitting here and you know that's who you are. You're a smooth-tongued devil and you know it. And you know you can talk anyone into anything, anytime, and always get your way. And you've come to feel kind of slick and cool about it. And you are in the most danger of all if I described you. But I think we would all be wise and humble if we would do a little soul searching and say, man, could I, could I be doing this to, to everybody around me and not even knowing it? I took it on sometime in my early life as a kind of a way of self-preservation or whatever it is. And now I just do it instinctively. But I don't want to continue this way. I, I, I want to draw people out. I want to develop that skill. I want to connect with people on a deeper level, but I want to do it to bless them and serve them and, and bring them closer to the heart of God and the ways of God and, and watch His blessing spill over into their life. That's, that's the way I want to use this thing. So we have to at least ask ourselves this question. Now, I want to do something a little bit unusual. We've done it before, though. I want to show you a movie clip And in this movie clip, it just gives us one little example of how these capacities that God has given us, we can take them and develop them to much, much higher levels. This capacity that you have to draw other people out, connect with them uh, on a a deeper level, um, you and I have the ability to, to really refine this. And so there's a movie that kind of illustrates this very well. And uh, just, just, I'm going to ask you. Starting out, how many saw the movie Ray? It was, it was a 2004 movie. Ray It was about the life of Ray Charles. Some of you, you're young. You need education. You don't know who Ray Charles is. Uh, trust me on this one. Look it up on Google. He was a in, in, an amazing singer songwriter. Uh, he was blind and uh, musician. It, it, it was just amazing, amazing. And Jamie Foxx played the role of Ray, and he he won the Oscar, the Academy Award for it. it was a A beautiful, brilliant movie. Not all nice. Ray was not a perfect guy. But there's one scene in the movie, Ray, that I want to share with you. So we'll look at that now. Powerful scene, beautiful movie, and uh, it just shows us how that when we even lose one sense, we discover that other senses can be developed at a much higher capacity. But this capacity that you have for drawing other people out and then connecting with them on a deeper level, I want you to just hear one thing. It can grow exponentially, and it's meant to, because God wants us to connect with this way with other people, with one another. Behind your eyes, behind your nose, behind your teeth, inside that thing you call a face, there is something about the size of a softball, and it's called a brain. (laughs) And that thing weighs about three pounds. doesn't matter if you have a great big old head or a little old head like me. It's still about three pounds, okay? And that thing inside your skull, it's capable of learning something new every second. I didn't say once a week. Every second. Your brain has the ability to learn something new. And you want to know how long you can learn something new every second? You can learn something new every second for 300 million years. That's the capacity that God's put inside of you and me. That stuff about old dogs, can't teach old dogs new tricks? Yes, you can. (laughs) you can learn man you can grow the potential that God has given to each of us it's just shocking it's it's almost beyond what we believe because we get sort of sort of lazy we get sort of believing lies that we just can't do certain things we can't learn we can't expand we'll we'll never be able to understand other people we'll never be able to make ourselves understood and all these kinds of things but it's just not true it's just not true Leonardo da Vinci was a a really amazing human being he he almost seems like he's superhuman when you look at the things that he invented the paintings that he did and so forth but he had this habit that he developed early in life and it was a habit that everywhere that he went he was asking questions of everything and when he watched other people he was amazed that other human beings didn't do this listen to these words Da Vinci observed, the average human looks without seeing, listens without hearing, touches without feeling, eats without tasting, inhales without awareness of odor or fragrance, and talks, what does it say, without thinking. Da Vinci, everywhere he went, he took journals and he would take notes. You know, there was never a time he didn't have a journal. When he died, he left behind 7,000 pages of journal notes about his observations on life. Bill Gates uh, managed to purchase 18 pages of da Vinci's journals, and he got a heck of a bargain uh, on them. Uh, He paid $30.8 million for them. You talk about a steal, wasn't it? Wouldn't you? (laughs) I mean, really, who has that kind of money? But what if... What if this tremendous, this tremendous softball that God's given to each of us that can learn something every second for 300 million years? What if we started to attune it better intentionally to listen differently to people, to observe people differently for the purpose of trying to understand people better, draw them out? so that they could understand us and we can connect on a deeper level. I mean, what if we intentionally tried to develop this capacity? Just like Ray, when he lost his sight, he had to intentionally learn to develop his hearing. What might happen? Now, when I looked at this, I started asking myself some questions. I mean, it's been my privilege for, I don't know, 34, 35 odd years now to lead local churches in... God allows me to partake of some of your lives in in very uh, sensitive, intimate moments and issues that you may be going through. And so what what happens is somewhere along the line, if you're going to to do this, what I do for long, you have to develop this capacity to understand people, to draw people out, to bring truth to bear on their lives for the purpose of healing. Uh, So... I started asking myself, because you know, I'm, I'm just—I've done this so long now. It's just kind of intuitive, mistaken. Don't get me wrong; I'm still very capable of misunderstanding people, very capable of not even understanding parts of myself yet. So please don't, don't take it like you know I've arrived on this. But but I, I wanted to try to deconstruct this in a fashion that it might be useful for you. Now, now I wrote down nine little questions very very quickly. Uh, you probably already know these; that they're so obvious or anything. But in case you don't know these, if you take these nine little questions as sort of your, your training guide to develop this sense uh, of how you can connect with other people on a deeper level, draw them out and all that kind of thing, um, we have a handout of these that it's somewhere under the rainbow. I don't know where, but I am told, and Kim will probably give me more information, I think it's as you go out the door, I don't know what you do, but it, it's somewhere there. But, but anyway... If you want it, if you want it, because it's not very useful. I'm going to show it to you on the screens. I'm going to show it to you, but you're not going to be able to memorize it unless you're a memory expert. So if you think it's valuable and you'd like to have it on paper, we have it on paper somewhere under the rainbow. So here the, here's what it is. I realize that I ask these questions at this point unconsciously. When I meet somebody, I say, who are you? And by that, I mean I, mean, I want to know um, what's going on in, inside of you. Who, who are you? Really. What has your life been like? I want to know about a person's life. I want to know what their childhood was like. I want to know what the the formative experiences in their life. If I can discern these things, if I can get them to, if I can draw those things out of a person, I do that. I just kind of do it automatically. What is your present stage in life? And by stage in life, I might not mean what you think. It's not about are you this age or that age. No, no, no. What I mean by stage, there are stages in a person's life where we're all in denial. Just trust me on that. And no one can draw us out. We're, we're too scared. We're too threatened. And then there are stages in a person's life where perhaps the problems have caught up to us to such a degree that we are now ready to, to let these things be drawn out. Because we sense unless they're drawn out and they get into the light, we're never going to be free from them or, or healing. So I look, what stage? Are you at that closed stage, that den- the denial stage, or are you at that open stage in life? I go on. What are the key forces presently at work in your life? Uh, Key forces. It it could be person, could be place, could be thing. It's some kind of a noun, though. There's some kind of a key force at work in a person's life. What's affecting that person the most now? Who are the key players and what are they like? Could be family member, could be friend. Who are the key players? How are they affecting you, this person now? What do you really, emphasis on the word really, what do you really believe? I have people that come to me and they always know the right answer is Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And the right answer is whatever the Bible says, right? But I listen carefully, and I ask questions to find out what do they really believe? Uh, What what is their real value system? What is actually motivating them? Okay, I go on. What really matters to you most? That's that values question. What what do you really care about? Not what do you say you care about, but what do you really care about? What really motivates you? What damage do you carry? We all carry damage. So I, w- I want to I listen. I want to talk to person. I want to find out what, what damage do they carry still? What, what scars do they bear? What pain are they still feeling? And then the last one. And I left this last because to me this is the most important question of all. Uh, I'm going to say something to you, and you're not going to believe it, and you're going to meet people that are going to deny this, but you just trust me. This is true. You're never going to meet a human being in your life that is not Fearful. When we broke trust with God in the Garden of Eden, fear was the first thing. When Adam and Eve heard the voice of God after they broke trust with Him in the Garden, they ran because they were afraid. Every human being you will ever meet has a lot of unresolved fear. Now, when we trust Christ again and we let His truth start to sink into our hearts, it keeps freeing us more and more from fear. But, but I always listen for the fear in a person, and I try to speak to their fears because I know that's where they hurt. We're all scared. We're mostly what we're scared of, you want to know what it is? We're mostly scared that other people aren't going to like us, that other people are going to reject us, that other people are going to find us deficient. We're mostly scared that nobody's going to want us, nobody's going to love us, nobody's going to desire us just for us, that that, that we're unattractive and undesirable. We, we fear this most of all. And, and I've learned to listen for this, and, and I try to speak to it because you speak to a person's fears, they just might relax enough to start letting you draw out some of the things that they've, they've held secretively in their souls for so long that they've almost given up hope it can ever be brought out into the light with anyone and, and they'd be safe for not being rejected or thought ill of forever. So okay, nine things. And I, like I say, I, I just jotted these things down real quick. And it's not like I sit there and I think, okay, let me go over my list. I've just learned at this point in my life, this is just what I do. But I deconstructed it deliberately so I could have something concrete to pass on to you. Because unless I can give you steps, you're going to just feel like, okay, how do I develop this capacity? I want to develop a capacity, but I don't know how to start. Now you know how to start. You take these nine questions, and you start to consciously uh, ask these of the people in your circle of influence. And you you will develop your capacities. To draw others out, make your own thoughts known, and connect with people on a, different, on, a, on a deeper level for the purpose of serving them, blessing them, giving to them, and being God's channel of healing uh, to them in their lives. All right. Uh, so let's kind of turn the corner. And, and so now we want to use this thing, we want to leverage it redemptively. And I've hidden or I've hinted at that pretty much through this message. So I'll kind of go fast now. Let me share another Proverbs with you. Proverbs 18, 15, it says, the heart of the the discerning acquires knowledge. People people that want to connect this way, uh, you want to get better at Pictionary, you've got to be listening. You must be learning. When you get around a person, you need to be always trying to learn. Human being's most beautiful, valuable thing you'll ever get to be around. And you ought to be ears open, eyes open, trying to learn. For the ears of the wise, notice that it's listening. There's a lot of listening skill we can develop. The ears of the wise seek it out. A wise man's heart, my motives, my ultimate intention, my desire to bless somebody for their good, my wise man's heart guides his mouth. We know what to say and when to say it and when not to say it. And his lips promote instruction. We, we speak to a person in a way that we're drawing them out. They want to learn. They want to hear. They, they, they want to get themselves out into the light. Contrast that with careless words that stab in a person's soul like a sword. But wise words bring what? Healing. Healing. This is why I hope this message will count in your minds. God means for you and I to be agents of healing, as I've said repeatedly in this message. But it's only when we learn to speak wise words and we can't speak wise words unless our heart is in the right place. We want to bless and serve and give. And unless we've listened sufficiently, we've acquired the knowledge that we can speak to the person appropriately using the right words at the right time, drawing them out into a safe, healing place. But that's a powerful thing that you and I have the capacity to do to bring healing to one another. There's a doctor named Atul Gawande and he wrote a book called The Checklist Manifesto. And in this book, his essential thesis is this, that doctors need at least three pauses, three intentional pauses in their procedures, particularly surgeons. So the first pause he says that a surgeon should take is before anesthesia and there should be a lot of a little checklist of things before they give the person anesthesia the second checklist for a doctor a surgeon should be before the actual incision again stop think go through a checklist and then he says the third check point in the checklist, it ought to be just before leaving the operating room. You know, what I mean? you hear these stories about people sewed up with a sponge inside them or a screwdriver or a wrench or something, you know. So you take that pause, make sure you've gotten all the things out. And so he started presenting these truths to a number of doctors in eight different hospitals. Back in 2008, they decided they would, they would try Atul Gawande's principles of pauses. True story. This was not pleasant for me to read. I'm going to tell you. The eight hospitals that tried it had 47% less deaths after surgery. That's not good news. That means that before these people were taking pauses, you you know, a lot of people were dying unnecessarily. 36% less complications after surgery just because of pauses. So I thought about this. And one of the things I've learned in my life is, is that the way you and I can become very good at Pictionary, you're not going to like this part, is we have to be willing to dig around, take some pause, dig around in the garbage heap of our own soul. Remember Jesus, remember Matthew 7, uh, he said, don't, don't, don't be judging each other, but but you know don't 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 try to take the speck out of your brother's eye until you take the beam, you know, the 16-foot 4x4 out of your own eye. How many remember that passage scripture? You've heard of it at least. Yeah, he says so so he urges us start on your own soul. Get it cleaned up. Deal with your own baggage. And so when we deal with our own baggage, we become a lot more aware of how to help someone else, but more importantly, we develop what I call pause. there, there is a certain place in a person's mental, emotional, spiritual development where we don't don't misunderstand me. We don't become perfect. We're not perfect. But where we get to a place where I am not so self-absorbed with my own trouble. The, The voices in my head have been silenced sufficiently. I've processed my own baggage, my own garbage sufficiently to now I literally have some space. I have a pause for you. I have some soul space. One of the ways that I measure the effectiveness of leaders in like growth groups and things through the years, I've noticed when a a growth group leader starts out or almost anybody in any ministry, when they first start out, the only thing that goes through their head is, oh my goodness, I hope I don't mess up. I hope I don't mess up. I hope I'm okay. I I just hope I can get through this thing without fainting, you know, or something like that. They're self-absorbed. They're caught in their own head. But they finally, if they persevere, they come to a place where they can go and do their group or do their ministry and all they're now focused on are others. They're, they're not worried about their own stuff anymore. They have sufficiently processed their own baggage and garbage that they actually have the space and capacity to care about others, observe others. Listen, I, I can't bring healing to anybody that I can't see. I can't bring healing to anybody that I don't have any space for. I've got to be able to, to hear you and see you and, and connect with you. And if I'm so consumed with my own stuff, some of you need to hear this, if I'm so consumed with my own stuff, I can't bring anything to anybody. I'm going to suck the life out of everybody who gets near me. You ever meet those people that as soon as you get right within hearing proximity, they start talking and it never ends until you either run away <laughs> or they run out of energy. It's not their fault. It's just a place in life that they might be at. You know, when I got an earache or a toothache, the only thing I can think about is that ache. They still have not processed their soul aches. And so when they get around us, they're just dumping, dumping, dumping. But there's a pause that comes with mental, emotional, spiritual growth. And I now have capacity to focus on you because I don't don't need so much anymore. I don't need anything from you. I just want to give something to you. How how many, I hope this makes sense. How, How many know what I'm talking about? I'm going to say, you get to that place where I don't need anything from you, but I want to give something to you. Can I just see your hands? Aha, you got it. You got it. This verse talks about that. That necessary pause mechanism. Uh, it's from the New Testament book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul writing the followers of Christ living in Ephesus, He says, hey, look, don't, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only, that's the pause. You see, if, if I'm going to see to it that no unwholesome talk comes out of my life, but only, what is helpful, the but only means i got to pause. i, I got to know you. i got to hear you. I gotta, I gotta I, I, I've got to touch your soul. I've got to draw you out. Or else I'm not going to know what to say to you. But only what is helpful for doing what? Building others up. Do you know you can build somebody up, somebody that's weak in various places in their life? You have a God-given capacity to build them up. I have a God-given capacity to build them up. That's his plan. We're to build each other up, strengthen each other. So, but only what is helpful for building others up according to what? I'm not going to know their needs if I'm consumed with my own noise in my head. If all I can think about is me, I need that pause where I can ask those nine questions and draw out the soul of that other person. That it may do what? Benefit. I'm using this, this Pictionary ability to bless and to serve and to give and to heal not to take, not to con, not to schmooze, not to manipulate, not to control, but to bless. To do the thing that God created me to do. One of my favorite verses, I use it an awful lot. I'll, I'll share it with you again. It's Galatians 6.10. So seize any opportunity the Lord gives you to do what? Good things. The opportunities are there endlessly. And be a what? Blessing. Be a blessing to everyone, especially those within our faithful family, meeting fellow followers of Christ. So... Let me close out with a story that I think illustrates this, and then I'll I'll give you a a thought that I hope kind of wraps it all together. There's a pastor named Scott Sauls, and in a book that he wrote in 2016 called Be Friends, uh, he tells the story of this uh, lady named Janet who visited church for the first time. She brought her two very young children with her and an unnamed nursery worker. And so uh, at the end of the service, Janet went back, as some of you will do, to retrieve your children uh, from the nursery and the various classrooms. She went back to get her kids from the nursery. And the worker came up and reported to her immediately. They said, uh, well, your two boys, they picked fights with a bunch of the other kids, and they broke some of the church toys uh, beyond repair. And so I you to know that. And, and, and as this conversation is going on, the boys were just continuing in their wild and woolly ways. And so Janet, the mother at this point, you know, you can imagine her how she feels. She's embarrassed. She's nervous. She's tense. She lets out one of those rip-roaring, profane words. How many of you know a profane word or two? <laughs> well, that got attention. And, of course, now she was even more humiliated that she had... So little control that this came out of her mouth in church. And so she left the church that day. And normally, just so you know, when that kind of scenario happens, the person does not come back to the church again. That's the last time you see them. So this unnamed nursery worker got thinking about this thing. And she went to the church office and she asked for the contact information for this lady, Janet. So they gave it to her and she wrote a personal note to the lady. Here's the actual note. I'm so glad that you and your boys visited our church. (laughs) Oh, and about that little exchange when you picked them up from the nursery. Let's just say that I found it so refreshing that you would feel freedom to speak with an honest vocabulary like that in church. (laughs) I'm really drawn to honesty. And you are clearly an honest person. I hope we can become friends. Love, unnamed nursery worker. And here's the rest of the story. The lady that was highly unlikely to come back to church, had that note not been sent, came back the next Sunday. And the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. She became the director of the nursery in that church. And the story got bigger. What they found out is that when she attended that first time, she herself had had just kicked a heroin habit. And yet one person, one person, had eyes to see and ears to hear, drew her out, drew her out, brought her into that safe place, connected with her on a deeper level so that God's redeeming grace could work its way into her heart. And now she becomes a channel of that to so many other kids and families. Here's the phrase I'd like to leave second in your mind. Build up, build up those you draw out. Because some of us, We have this capacity. We're good Pictionary players, but we've been using it to con everybody, position everybody, manipulate everybody, take from everybody, use everybody. Maybe we didn't know it, but man, we know it today. Build up those we draw out. Now, there's three questions I want to leave with you that I think we would all be wise to consider. First of all, maybe the invitation that Christ is giving you today is to... To say, I'm going to be intentional. I'm, I'm going to maybe take those nine questions. I'm going to be intentional about building my Pictionary skills up so that I can draw others out, connect with them on a deeper level so that I can be a blessing to them and, and a channel of God's healing them. Maybe that's the invitation that the Lord is giving to some of you today. And you're going to say, today is really going to start for me. I'm going, to, I'm going to be intentional about this. Some of us, this is much harder you're sitting here today, and maybe for the first time it's ever been brought to your attention, you're uncomfortable because you know, truth be told, you, you're quite a Pictionary player, but you've been using it to con and manipulate and move and control everyone around you, even those closest to you. And the invitation that the Lord has for you today is, it has to stop. It just has to stop today. So the invitation is, stop using the skill selfishly. Start Using the skill unselfishly and lovingly. And a third, the Lord is inviting some of you. He's been trying, maybe for years, maybe decades, I don't know. He's been trying to draw you out and to draw you to Himself to show you that we can never be fulfilled, we'll never be fully human, fully alive. Apart from Christ, our creator. And he's been trying to draw you to actually authentically put your trust in him and become his follower. And he's waited and he's waited and he's waited and he's communicated to you through all kinds of people, all kinds of circumstances. Some of you know. You've even up. boy, I think God's trying to talk to me. You know, but you, you still backed away. And he's here one more time trying to draw you out and draw you to himself. Will you... Humble yourself and be wise and return to your creator and say, this is the day that I'm going to put my trust in Christ and become his follower for the rest of my life. I think there's three, three possibilities and invitations from Christ. They, they have some pull probably to all of us on one way or another. So, so let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you created us in your image. We are beings that are made to connect and to love on the deepest levels, to be agents of strength and comfort and healing to one another. You've given us these amazing capacities. And so we pray now that these capacities, we we will give back to you that you might have free use to make us your agents of reconciliation to those that are apart from you and your agents of healing to those that are close to you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.